Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, the Big Bear is loose. So we got word that the Steelers will indeed play their starters, but who are they going to actually line up against on the other side of the line of scrimmage? And last but not least, for the culture, um, what does Tua Tagovailoa and Club Onyx have in common? Woo, we'll talk about all that next. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's get it. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day 1 your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day 1 is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, who's going to be out on the field tonight? We'll talk about it. But first, we have to talk about the Atlanta Braves team. They close out the series against the New York Mets. Uncle Charlie is back. He's on the mound. He's doing his thing. Double-digit strikeouts and back-to-back starts. I mean, when you think about it, T, seems like all you got to do is play against New York teams and you'll be good to go, right? <laughs> yeah. It just And really, maybe if you play into the month of August, because in the month of July, I think we were all wondering if Charlie Morton was going to be on the playoff roster. Like, were we even going to see him on the postseason roster? And now here we are in August and we're back to calling him. I believe, is Uncle Charlie a compliment from you, Jarvis? I'm just. Yes, that's a compliment. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So I think we're yes. back to calling him Uncle Charlie, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, when you're out there striking out to the tune of double digits and he's 39. I mean, he's, it's, it's unbelievable. And to do it consistently, because that was the one thing we talked about when we previewed this game yesterday, we said we need to see him string together multiple wins across time to know for sure that we are convinced that Charlie Morton is back. No different than what we were saying about Marcelo Zuna and what we needed to see out of him on a consistent basis. But for Charlie Morton, yes, we love to see it because he also has Three back-to-back-to-back starts, three straight starts of scoreless innings. And this one is seven? Charlie Morton is going seven? We've gotten to a point in place where really we were just asking the Brave starters, can you give us five quality innings? You know, five and a third, you third know, right. five and two thirds. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get a six inning mark. But to yeah. think he went seven innings and literally Strong. scoreless innings, two hits. 11 strikeouts. I mean, that is such an amazing stat sheet and so very necessary. And we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, about just how important it is to be getting this out of the starting rotation, but that it's bonus because it wasn't a 1-0 win. It wasn't a 3-0 win. It was a 7-0 shutout. That is super duper powerful, especially because we know it's behind consistency in the bats of the likes of Marcelo and Marcelo Zeno, I'm so glad you brought him up because, like, when you think about where this cat has come from, right? Yeah. You're talking about from the domestic violence issue and going through court and all that stuff, like, everything 
kind of boiling over and kind of going under the radar and like really sucking, uh, to be honest with you, to, you know, the DUI. We have that another instance and everybody talking about like, oh man, get this dude off the roster. And why is uh, Alex Anthopoulos continue to roll with this cat? Why is Brian Snicker continue to roll him out there? Can we trade him? Can he build up some value? Those, that was the conversation coming into yeah. the season, T. I remember right. we had those conversations pretty much every day, seemingly. Nice. But when you look at what he's doing right now, like literally in the month of August, T, dude batting 363, slugging percentage 688. He has six home runs, 18 RBI just in the month of August. So like I was I was loving how, you know, the broadcast team last night, they were just referring to him as the big bear. The big bear is loose. And I and I not wholeheartedly believe that. And I and I'm sitting up here like, okay. How long is it going to last? Like, you know, the pessimist in me. But you know what? I think the Braves are just going to ride this wave, T, as long as they possibly can. Yes, because as Brian Snicker talked about, it's not just a big bat, which, of course, we love when the Hall of Famers call it out like that. It was, once again, very fun to, to hear them on the oh, call, the TV gosh. call last yes. night. But I love what Brian Snicker said because it speaks to something that we've spoken about when we've seen an uptrend with Austin Riley when we've seen mm-hmm. Michael Harris II get back at it. And the consistency is not just about wielding a big bat, big bat it's about decision-making. So Marcel Ozuna is also being patient at the plate to get walks. And as long yes. as you're getting on base and being in position for someone to come up, because we and I'm going to say someone because we know, of course, with Ozzy Albies out, there has been kind of Brian Snickers has to tinker with the, uh, with the, the lineup or the order, right? right. But get on base. That's the important thing with the confidence that whomever comes, whether it's the guy right behind you, two batters later or what have you, that somebody is going to drive that run in. So that's what I like about it. It's the decision making that says, hey, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to see when the counts in my favor and I'm just going to sit and wait. Either I'm going to belt a home run and drive some runs in that way or I'm going to position myself because I see what you're pitching. I see what your cadence is. I'm going to wait to see if you're actually going to get me a base on balls. And that's what I like about him as well, because we're back to playing not just power baseball, but smart baseball. And you know what? That's the beauty of this thing, right? That we call baseball, because like you said, you know, you got the big boppers. We understand that, you know, the Braves have a lot of power up and down that lineup. And, and and my thing is with, or my issue with Marcelo Zuma early on, I feel like he just didn't have a, any type of game plan going to the plate. It's just like you said, he's taking balls. He's kind of seeing what his what type of pitch that he wants. And I think that Chipper Jones said something that I thought that was interesting. I've never really heard people talk about it. And it kind of gives you some insight into like what type of hitter he is and how intellectual he is. I know looking at him from the surface standpoint, you might not get that. But when you hear this dude talk about uh, his uh, having a type of a certain type of approach to the plate, he was talking about like when guys are struggling. He talked about how he when you were talking to Jeff Francoeur back when they were playing together, he was just like, hey, man, the, the goal is to go get jammed. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what do you mean go get jammed? He's like, it, it, you rather get jammed than you go out there reaching for certain pitches, like especially when they people are trying to hit you with the sliders, like down yeah. and away and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that started to make a little sense because, you know, that's some PhD level type hitting conversations that I, I know that a lot of people – probably won't, won't be able to uh, sustain themselves in. So I think that when Marcelo Zuna now has an approach, has a certain approach when he comes to the play, he has a plan, and he's just not up there just swinging for the fences, I, I, I think that that's why you see you reap the benefits of it this part of the season as we get ready to go down into the playoffs. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you are also seeing some some promising, some potential, some potential and some promising decision making from Vaughn Grissom as well. Got a triple last night. So yes. to just see him in, we'll call it, quote unquote, in relief at second base, just good to see him be able to come and just contribute solidly. Don't have to do anything mind blowing. You don't have to be a guy who looks like, oh, my God, he's probably a potential all star. Nope. Just be solid. Just make sure that nothing goes awry. In the absence of an all-star second baseman, get the Braves to where they need to be. And then you hear some good feedback like we heard from Brian Snicker postgame about Ozzy and him being in position to come back off the short-term IL. So that that was also some positive feedback for the Braves postgame uh, Wednesday night. And before before we move on, can I just give some positive feedback for that broadcast? Like Chipper Jones, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, and, and, and Jeff Francoeur. Like that is just... Like, I don't care about the, you know, painting the picture and all that stuff, like traditional broadcast, play-by-play guy and all that stuff. They just throw those guys on there, and they just figure it out. I just yeah. absolutely love it, T. And yeah. the, I think the height of it, the apex of it last night for me had to be Tom Glavin on a home run call. Right. <laughs> it was just so, I'm just like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. This is so yeah. great. <laughs> it really, really was. And then some of those early strikeouts from Charlie Morton where they were able to tell you like walk you through every step what charlie morton was thinking while he was on the mound what he was thinking when he was getting in position and then what he was thinking when after he delivered it for the very next pitch or the next time that particular batter came up in the order that was also cool too because you are literally feeling like you and i mean you are but you're really literally feeling like you're in the minds and in the eyes of hall of famers that are giving you a sneak peek (laughs) into what they're thinking when they go from standing at that mound, getting that ball in hand, and actually delivering that pitch. You really felt like you were almost right there with Charlie Morton because that broadcast team made you feel that way. So, yeah, love this. We only got it twice this season. Like, bring And we love Brandon Gordon. Don't get me wrong. Brandon Gordon is amazing on the call. This gives a different perspective (laughs) when you have Hall of Famers and a very, very solid broadcaster and Jeff Francoeur to be able to give you just a different perspective. Yeah, those are some of the things that I feel like. I really feel like we're probably going to get more than two next year if those guys, you know, have time, you know, the, the time allotted for. So, like, when you think about that aspect of it, I really feel like they are going to definitely try to bring those guys back because, like, that is just, like you said, I feel like I'm getting, I'm getting an education when, when I'm watching those guys. Also, I want to take some time out, guys, to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Let me tell y'all something about bird dogs because these people, these folks have passed the test T. What's the test? The test is they passed the big man test. Yes, I wore these things out to training camp because, you know, it'd be hot outside. You know, we got yeah. this big old heat wave coming through, slapping everybody outside the head and sweating like crazy. Whew. When you talk about bird dogs, birds are, are my go-to when I go out there because – like you not in the stiff and all the st- stiffy cotton pants and you know, all the khakis that feel like cardboard all against your skin. No, they got this inner lining that just kind of makes just shapes my thighs, just make me look like a little Adonis out there. You know, I be feeling myself. You know, and then I start seeing you know NFL guys who've been training and work out twenty four seven. Then I kind of you know come back down to earth. But you know, 
at least for the moment, the bird dolls make me feel like real, feel real good. They got my little quad looking real good. So they fit better than the regular shorts people. So I need you guys to go out and check out bird dolls because they have passed the big man test and you need to go ahead and test these bad boys out at wild. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on and the promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with your order. Yes, gonna get a free, free hat as well. That's birddogs.com locked on slash locked on or hit enter the promo code locked on for a free white tech hat. Now you want to talk about passing a test? There will be guys tonight that are hoping to pass a test really for both the Falcons and Steelers because real talk, a lot of those guys that make the practice squad for the Falcons or are looking to make a practice squad or have lasted for this long for the Falcons and even the Steelers respectively, both of those teams scouting departments are looking at those other teams to see hey, there may be some guy over there who, hey, he didn't work out for the Steelers, but he may work out for the Falcons and vice versa. So a lot of eyes are still going to be pierced on what's going on tonight, especially because like we told you guys in the intro, we have confirmation that the Steelers will be playing their starters. Now, we don't know which starters they're going to be playing, how long those starters are going to be playing, but they will have starters in. But there's word that for the Falcons, probably not going to see starters necessarily, which is fine because Jarvis and I talked yesterday about some of the starters on our wish list or some of those who are right on the cusp of starter that we would want to see. So now our question today, as we get ready to go down to the bins and check out this final preseason game, who maybe is on the fringe, on the cusp, maybe that guy who is kind of behind the scenes, I don't want to say third string, but I'm going to say third string, but who could really maybe contribute in situation like situational football or maybe on special teams. Give me a guy. Wow. Uh, I, I have to go with Jalen Mayfield. Like okay. I really, I really okay. feel like there is some, some high stake going on tonight. Yeah. I, I, he's going to be a guy that I really feel like he has to go out and perform. And Aaron and uh, Aaron Freeman and I got a chance to talk about this in our, in our preview on locked on Falcons, by the way, go ahead and check that out. It is. Yeah. Just some great stuff. Come on, people. Y'all stop playing around. Get your life together. But I, I think that this is really huge for him because he was part of the inaugural um, draft class for Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. You yeah, know, and third round pick. You know, that's not that's some draft capital. Like that is some some serious draft mm-hmm. capital. Like you look for some starting heavy rotational type guys in in those slots. So I, I think now when you're going into the last game and we haven't heard that you have locked down this swing tackle spot. We are hearing other names like Josh Miles being inserted into the conversation that who's a journeyman around the league, a veteran guy. And even to the point where people are calling and myself included that, Hey, you might need to pick up the phone and, and, and give a call to a vet like who might be lurking around may get cut because for salary reasons or what have you. Mm-hmm. So I think right now, the stakes are really high for Jalen Mayfield because it's. I think it's at the point now where, dude, do you want to make this team? Like that's the type of type of play that he's going to have. That's the type of opportunity I feel like he's facing tonight. Yes, absolutely. And we look at players from that draft class and these first couple draft classes from Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith. Of course, Frank. They departed ways, I believe, earlier this week with Frank Darby. So yes, they don't have a problem with parting ways with a guy if, hey, we gave you shot after shot, we even tried to put you in different positions, like you said, with Jalen Mayfield, swing tackle with Frank Darby on special teams and gave him an opportunity and it just didn't quite work out. So, yeah, I I think that's a good call on him being one of those bubble guys that's not so much 
because we didn't draft you or because you're a journeyman or because you've been on the practice squad, but actually because we did draft you and we drafted you on what we could consider the high end first through third round, third rounder, you should have gotten to the point in place now where you've evolved to that next level. And they, I don't know that they're seeing what they need to see, but hopefully for his sake, they'll see what they need to see. Now, speaking of looking kind of down the chart, if you will, I would like to see, because he's actually been a name that we've continued to hear out of training camp and even into preseason, and that's DeMarco Hellams. Yep, I think I that he is yeah. just really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we've <laughs> had a little eye on him for a minute, even yeah. like reading the scouting report right after the draft, because it's like, he might be one of those sneaky ones like Grady Jarrett. And I'm not suggesting pro bowler like, oh, yeah, I'm just telling you out of the gates he's going to be a future pro bowler. But my point being, there are guys. Tyler Algier was your sneaky late round pick from last year mm-hmm. that was sneaky good. And Grady, yeah. of course, takes you back eight or nine years, but still sneaky good. DeMarco Hellams, couple picks during the preseason and things that you have seen out there, the fast and physicality that – this team is really looking for the versatility where, hey, they may swing him into the linebacker core or, or they may swing him out to special teams. And we've seen some guys as well go out to special teams and kind of find their way. And that's how they've been able to make their way up the chart. And we know that Michael Walker has gone, but I believe he might be one uh, example of that where they kind of put him in some different positions to say, hey, let's see where it is that he might thrive. But, yeah, I'll have my eye on DeMarco Hellams tonight, too. Yeah, that is that's a good call, T, because when I got a chance to talk to uh, DeMarco back in the spring and like one of the one of the things that he credits to, you know, being where he is right now is Nick Saban. And we know how Nick Saban, you know, had moonlighted in the NFL. You know, he didn't do too well. But when you talking about going to a a particular school and knowing that you're going to get that training. Like, right. That training that everybody wants to be able to go to that next level. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Saban is that guy. He definitely credited he credited his to like where he is and his his uh knowledge of the game and his acumen and everything like that. He mm-hmm. credited that to Nick Saban because yeah. he feel like he prepared him to get to this level. And when you think about like Arthur Smith, one thing people gotta understand about Arthur Smith, mm-hmm. like he just doesn't randomly mention people's names. Right. When he mentioned people's names, he he yeah. is for a reason. It's, oh, yeah. it's people that he have caught his eye. <laughs> right. yeah. Yes, he, yes. He like people have caught his eye, and one of the things that I really feel like that stood out uh, that Arthur Smith said about him, he's like he's mm-hmm. the guy that when the lights come on, he's gonna fall. And yeah. when you think about week in and week out in Alabama in the SEC going out there and performing, mm-hmm. and this dude was a seventh round draft pick. T. So like there was some obviously it was some downfalls to his game. Yeah. But when you when you get out on that field, like I, from what I've seen, I know from what you've seen, mm-hmm. like I want to I want to see more of Demarco because yeah, like we know Ryan Nielsen, the, as many weapons as he can deploy in that in that in that defense, that multiple yeah. defense, yep. I think the the better because yeah. like you can get really creative with a guy like Demarco Helms because yeah. hey, they don't call him the hitman for nothing. <laughs> exactly, and that's something to where when you start hearing coaches talking about a safety like he's a linebacker because of the way he hits and how physical he is that's Mm -hmm. a compliment that's a high compliment as well that and that also says hey you and your versatility that's what arthur smith is always looking for now when we look across the bigger picture let's go offense and defense if you will in terms of the overall picture and even the whole team jarvis like when we walk away 
from this third game observing what is it that we want to see or not see from the offense, the defense, and then the team overall? I think big picture overall, I want to see this offense be efficient, regardless of the numbers out there on the field. Uh, I want him to be able to get into the end zone. I yes. want to see what that red zone looked like. You know, like you like you say that low red zone. Once they get into that low red zone, like what are you going to do? Like mm-hmm. let's get this ball. Let's get six points. And I think from defensively, I want to see the quarterback on the ground. Yeah. I, I don't care who. I don't care who does it. It can be a guy that's not going to even make the squad. I just want to see oh, somebody in a Falcons uniform put the quarterback on the ground. Hopefully it's the 51 to 47. Like I have my, obviously I'm biased. I want to see those guys get home. So I I really feel like, you know, if I can see the quarterback go on the ground and I can see their offense get into the end zone, once they get into that, that low red zone area, I'll be good to go. Yeah. I would say the same for me. All I want to see offensively is just a little bit of something here and there doesn't have just a little flash in the red zone. Yes. I don't really care what you show me. Just show me in the red zone. And if you happen to be on that O-line, I need to see you at least compete in the trenches. I know it may not be great because if the Steelers start their front, their deep front, their defensive front, their starters, hey, I understand. You're not That's even better. To be like, able yeah. to do anything like, mm-hmm. you know, magnificent. But all we're asking you to do is just hang with them. If you stay the course and hang with them, we're good. Same thing on defense. If you see that offensive line, because we know the Steelers have always had a solid O-line, except one or two years under Ben Roethlisberger. But anyway, outside of those couple couple years, they've, they've always had a good O-line. So, again, if you just stay the course with your defensive front, especially, or or if they have Kenny Pickett out there for a minute, that might be DeMarco Hellum's time, too, but something like that. Hey, because what else have we talked about, Jarvis? We've talked about turnovers and how that's an area where the Falcons have got to have an uptick on defense this year in order to really compete with the quality teams that are upper echelon. So yeah, if we can maybe see that. And then overall, before we wrap up, I would say this, and this is just not for the Falcons, not just for the Steelers, but you really just hope for this all the way around the league, but you want to see the Falcons walk away with essentially a clean sheet, no major injuries of any kind so that when it's time to rock come what September 10th, they Mm -hmm. are ready with a 53 man squad that is fully healthy and ready to rock and roll against the Panthers at the Benz. Absolutely. Uh, agreed. Um, those are some of the things that, you know, obviously we want to see the, the teams go out there and compete, but at the end of the day, like we want these teams to go into game one, like you said, with a clean sheet and a clean bill of health. Indeed. What are you guys looking for tonight on offense, on defense, special teams? Maybe you do want to see a little something on special teams. What about that individual player who you say is on the bubble in your mind? Want to see that guy? Let us know. Don't forget to put a comment in the chat. We'll actually be watching the comments because, hey, we'll be at the game real time and we want to react to what maybe you guys want us to take a look at someone today, tonight, that you want us to take a look at tomorrow. So drop a note in the chat on YouTube. And of course, check out ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on the show today. It's no different. T, when you think about like guys who have sense of humor, you know, uh, guys who have personalities, big personalities, you know, one guy that comes to mind is Ryan Clark, you know, and I really feel like he's one of my favorite analysts on ESPN because he implements the his personality into his analysis. And I think that, you know, some people got into a little feels, you know, recently because um, he was talking about Tua Tagovailoa. 
And uh, we know Tua is, if you see him out in the street with in regular street clothes, no, you wouldn't know that he's necessarily a football player. And um, I think Ryan Clark kind of spoke to that when he said, um, he was like, yeah, Tua is uh, happy. You know, you know those for those who don't know, that's a sports term, like fat and happy, you know, a little chunky, a you know, like you worked period. out this offseason. You know, I look yeah. at guys, you know, like, hey, man, did you put on weight? You know, did you work out this offseason? So it seems like Ryan Clark was kind of questioning whether or not Tua had been in the weight room. He even went as far as to say, you know, hey, yeah, he was in the tattoo parlor. Okay, that's cool. I, mean, I, ain't got no, I don't have an issue with that. You know, Tua may take it a little personally, but I think he may have overstepped his boundaries just a little bit, T. I don't know how I really feel about it. When he said he's starting to look like those girls down at Club Onyx looking a little thick, I was just like, uh, sir, did you just compare this man to a stripper in Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, Ryan is a dapper Don, right? And well, no, so he's Ryan a capper, you know always, what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, come like, on, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> so he keeps it tight all day, every day. No doubt, and always, so, got to. Yeah, for him, I know his eye is probably going to see fluffy faster than the rest of us. <laughs> So, you know, Tua, maybe you are a little fluffy and it's okay (laughs) if you feel like that is what is going to make you a better quarterback because maybe, you know, you felt like, hey, look, you've taken a lot of L's, you know, a lot of of hits and maybe you feel like bulking up is the better way for you to defend. And it depends, you know, because some quarterbacks will actually lose the weight so that they can be more agile. They can move faster and some want to be more like along the Cam Newton, you know, that that size range right. if you will because they take some hits. So hey, take, you're right. Right. They want to be able to take those body blows, especially when they go into like dual threat quarterback mode. So maybe mm-hmm. that's where, where his mindset was, but I would just say for Ryan and shout out to Ryan Clark for <laughs> yeah. writing a very, very nice follow-up on Twitter X and apologizing. But it wasn't just that typical apology of I'm sorry if I said something that offended you. No, it was what you would expect from Ryan Clark. I'm going to fall on the sword. I'm going to do it very intellectually and very eloquently. Mm -hmm. Once I say this, I actually have thought about it. I'm going to wash my mouth and I'm moving on. And I think everybody should. I think everybody should because at the end of the day, Tua Tungvaluwa got out what he needed to get out, which was keep your name out of my mouth. I understand that. You had every right to be a little frustrated and feel some type of way because Mm -hmm. people have been coming for you in a near disrespectful, if not disrespectful way since the day you got in the league. So I can understand where sometimes it might come to a fever pitch or a boiling point for you. I have no problem with that. And I have no problem with Ryan coming back with a genuine apology. It's just something that our guy, Steve Weish, made a good point on X as well by saying, hey, shout out to you, Ryan, for addressing it yourself. No one had to tell you to address it, not ESPN or anyone else. You caught your own mistake. You man stuff right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what Steve Weiss essentially yep. was saying. Like you manned yep. up and I appreciate you because as journalists, we all have a misstep at times. Of course. If you're mature, then the misstep becomes just a, a sidestep and we put it aside and move on because you proactively handle it like Ryan did. Address it. It's done. Let's all move on. Yes. Yeah, like 
you know, because like two of the if we got two of talk of a lord who is probably the nicest guy from a perception, you know, from like just looking on the outside looking in, just like okay, two seems like a really nice guy for him to say, keep my name out your mouth, and we all know this thing is called for the culture. And we, everybody that's part of the culture and yeah. understands what the culture is, we know what that means. Like, oh, yeah. I'm ready to throw the hands. Right, exactly. if, if, if you want to keep going is, with yeah, this. Next level is no conversation. <laughs> we go from yeah, it's your on name out of my mouth to throwing There's no middle ground. There's no. no middle ground. So yeah, he yeah. said what he said. Yeah. But like you said, Ryan, Col- Ryan Clark understood the culture piece of that. And it was like, oh. Okay. Let me see what I said that might have offended him. Oh, you know what? I can see how that would have offended him. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that, which is good. The West Bank of New Orleans is proud of you. Yes. Because compare somebody to a thick stripper at at Onyx like that. I'm sorry. Like, oh, I mean, Ryan, like, it's funny as crap, but like. Yeah, and, say that right, on air. Right. And that's what I think. <laughs> that was a side conversation that never should have yeah. been. Before, before you go go on the show, like, man, this dude out here looking a little thick, bro. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, a off-air conversation. Like, yes, after, that absolutely. should have remained yeah. off-air. <laughs> My guy Marcus Spears, he couldn't hold it. He was slapping the table. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I ain't need a show like this, team. Golly, man. I know. No. And you know what? And we won't end it this way. We will end it yes. on a Help note me. that is worthy of ATL Day Ones, which yeah. is that, you know, we'll be back tomorrow talking all things Falcons, giving you guys our reaction from seeing the preseason game front and center, up close and personal. And, of course, the Braves have a much-needed day off today, but we're going to preview a 10-game road trip that they're about to embark on tomorrow in San Francisco. We'll talk about that. And, of course, anything else that hits the sports scene right here in ATL, you got the tea right here on ATL Day Ones. And make sure you guys don't do anything else. Make sure you share love, show love, and don't compare anybody to thick strippers and spread some love. 